everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 373 being recorded on October 28th, 2015. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Malmontano. And from an undisclosed location, I am Sebastian Peake. It's the same undisclosed location you were in last week, though. I, but I still haven't disclosed the location, right? You don't, you don't know that that's the same location. It's an igloo yeah, these, by the way, built out of great cases. point, because these boxes go with me everywhere I go. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we don't even know if he has a forehead or not. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. He could be a conehead, and we wouldn't know. I was, but it, it changed. As a baby, they formed yeah. it down. Yeah. yeah. How, how, how was, was baby formed? Wow, I haven't figured guys. that out yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't. If you haven't, that's a problem. It just kind of happened for you. you? I don't know. I was drunk. (laughs) (laughs) No one was drunk. That's always the best answer. Uh, Welcome to the show, everybody. So it's almost Halloween. Alan, what's your costume? I don't have one. Oh man, lame. Ken, what's your costume? I'm going as Fry. Futurama. Uh, Okay. All right. So uh, my costume is uh, many years ago, many like five, four. Uh I bought a gorilla costume. And it was very expensive. Uh-huh. So I swore I would use that every year until <laughs> so it was wore out, all the hair fell out of it or something. It always adds some variance to it. Um, i trying to think. I was like a Superman gorilla last year. Okay. I saw a picture of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Is your wife ever dressed up as like Diane Fossey and your no. digit? <laughs> no. We thought, <laughs> I thought about uh, having – She him- could carry around her head. Yeah, yeah. I thought about having Emmeline um, dress up as a banana this year. <laughs> but then I thought it would be better if I just didn't go, like, trick-or-treating because that sounds like a pain in the butt. Yeah. So uh, if I can get one year without going trick-or-treating, then fantastic. Um, I think I'm just going to – I'm really lazy this year. I, have, I haven't had time to do anything. So I'm just going to take, like, the biggest – it's either going to be a, the, the biggest size Bengals jersey I have or the biggest size UK jersey I have. And I'm going to be Sports Gorilla. I don't think that's going to work. I think Sports Gorilla is going to work fine. I don't think you're going to be able to fit one of your jerseys over – Over a gorilla costume? Yeah. I think I'd have to go with a football jersey that maybe somebody bought that was oversized. I put some tape over the back name and write something creative and okay. – Okay. In Sharpie. Maybe. That's that's on the roll. But Josh, you have a costume? Yes, I'm going to my parents' greatest disappointment. Uh, f- 42 years in a row? <laughs> 43 straight. Oh, 43, damn. I was, I had to, uh, damn. Now, was he wasn't close. a disappointment for the first year. That's right. And expectations <laughs> slipped. Yeah, there was. Unless, unless they wanted a girl, yet. and then he could have been a disappointment in the first year. That's true. Yeah. Well, they may, maybe they didn't know. Sebastian, what's your costume going to be? Uh, I was going to do like a thing with my son, but he's too young. I was going to be Luke, and he's going to yeah. be Yoda strapped to my back from Empire next on year. Dagobah. Next year. Next year, when, sure. when we bought Emmeline's uh, Wonder Woman costume at Build-A-Bear, they had a Leia. I, I said that. I did say that before. I told that story on the podcast, I'm sure, right? I think so. She won a, a costume contest at a Halloween party earlier where she was a Wonder Woman. We got the costume from a Build-A-Bear. Um, they had a Leia. It, a lot of the Leia costume was in the shoes. The shoes for the teddy bear don't fit human feet. <laughs> so... <laughs> And that metal bikini, it's just kind of embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, it's not really child appropriate. Yeah. It doesn't seem. Uh, Mm -hmm. It looks like we do have the YouTube stream working. Is that correct, Ken? Yeah. So if you are a person watching on Twitch, I saw a couple of people in the chat saying that that Twitch was harder on their 
bandwidth or they're in decoding or something like that, you can go to pcper.com or no, youtube.com slash pcper and you can find the, uh, the YouTube uh, version there if you want to as well. Um, so that's, that's where we're at here, guys. Uh, it's almost Halloween. We're ready to go, but we still have hardware to discuss starting with, uh, well, actually, no. Again, if, if we were talking about the stream a second ago, we do record the show in a public fashion. We don't have a studio audience here because that's awkward. Ken's all the studio audience. Yeah, but just one. We have a studio audience of one. He also pushes buttons behind the, the screen. Um, but if you want to join us on the live stream, it's at pcper.com slash live. Uh, there's nobody at that location that you're on there. Um, uh, you want to find the right button? There it is. Huh. Huh. Ha, huh, he's looking at his, at his adapter thing. Um, so uh, PCPro.com slash live, and we can go to this page here. We get a subscribe page if you go to PCPro.com slash subscribe. If you need a little reminder, if you need uh, something to give you a little heads up about, hey, we're going to stream soon, this is where we do it one to two hours ahead of time. We actually do have uh, – I think we're going to have two live streams in the month of November with the Disappearing Allen. Um, oh, thanks. We have, uh, two, I think, two live streams coming. One of them will be AMD. The other one, Unknown – uh, company so far, but I think we should have two more that will include prizes and giveaways. So if you don't uh, sign up for it, you're probably dumb. So yeah, yeah. You should sign up for it. Free stuff. So let's talk about hardware. That's what we're here to do. This week we had uh, an SSD launch from Samsung. We did. World leader in solid state technology. Uh huh. Sure, whatever. Uh, definitely sales leader in solid state technology. Pretty much. So the 8 Series, 800s, 40s, 50s, that's all old crap. It's garbage. Well, they're still selling it. No, it's garbage. Okay. New hotness, SSD 950. Well, yeah. Right? They released the 950 Pro, and if you're watching the video version, I'm holding up a stick of gum <laughs> that I'm claiming is an SSD. 22 millimeters by 80 millimeters. Stick of gum. It's, uh, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty big piece of gum. It's a nice piece that's, of gum. That's a, I mean, it's not very chewy, but it's a little it expensive. flavor for a long it's time. It's a little expensive. Um, so they're M.2 SSDs. That's kind of the biggest change this time, probably. Yep. And they're not M.2 SATA. Okay, because, yeah. You're because right. there were M.2 SATA parts that they did make then, sure. uh, in the uh, 840s. Yep. Um, these are M.2 PCIe. And they're also NVMe. Right. Uh, so they're super fast, and they're super fast. Uh, they're not actually, available in two and a half inch. We should just get that away right away. Like yes, the 950 Pro, as far as we know, is not going to be sold in a two and a half inch SSD traditional two and a half inch drive right. SATA variant. Uh, nor do I think there's even any like that's going to be like the 800 series. From yeah, they're if just they, if they even update that. it at all, it'll be an 800 series branding probably. Yeah, yeah. The reason is because. SAT is a bottleneck. The 850 series does just fine saturating that and addressing everything that you could possibly want to do over a SATA connection. About as within the limits of that interface, yeah. yeah. So they needed to move on to something new and different. Mm -hmm. um, it was interesting. So these are NVMe drives. Yes. Which is the whole new protocol uh, of changing things from AHCI over to NVMe. Mm -hmm. It's just to, reduce, just to reduce the overhead within the operating system on the OS But side. Intel already did that, right? They released the 750 series NVMe yep. drives, but yep. they were add-in cards. They were PCI Express plug mm -hmm. and or a 2.5-inch, what, 9, 12? It had a U.2 connector. 12 millimeters thick? Yeah, it was like 12 2.5-inch drive, but not your traditional 2.5-inch right. drive. So they went NVMe in a different route. Mm -hmm. The Samsung, at least for now, is only selling this in this form factor. Correct. You can get an adapter, I guess. You'd have to get the adapter from somewhere else. Somewhere else. They don't sell it with it. Yep. So is the drive fast? The drive's very fast. It's uh, very, very similar in performance, actually, uh, to the SM951 NVMe, okay. which was the 
kind of really hard to find part. It was it was an um, NVMe M.2 part that like only showed up to OEMs essentially. Right, right. The places that did sell it, they were they were selling OEM specific parts. Mm-hmm. They were it was never a retail release. Yeah, it was never a retail part with like warranty through Samsung anything like that. Right, it was just right, you know right, right. you're getting the equivalent of like a white box, whatever, or in some cases not even in a white box. Right. Uh, part from um, you know from some other vendor that got their hands on a batch of them. Um, very similar uh, with one major difference, and that is that. The, these SSDs use 3D VNAND, whereas the SM951 still was using their planar MLC. Okay. 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 So it helps them on their power consumption uh, a little bit, right? Um, not a huge change because Samsung decided to keep the performance way, way up right. on this particular part. So we're talking, you know, rating of 300,000 random read IOPS, um, uh, two and a half gig per second reads, one and a half gig per second writes on the uh, half a terabyte model. It's a little bit lower on the on the two fifty six gig model. Um, they have plans to release a one terabyte model of this when they uh, introduce their next version of VNAND, which is going to be forty eight layers instead of thirty two layers. Just allows just, them to make it a little bit more dense. Yeah, and I think they want to stick with that same exact design. So, in other words, they would need to fit that one terabyte of of storage capacity within two packages, right? Two chip packages. Uh, which is pretty crazy, mm-hmm. just to think that now you're fitting a terabyte just across, like it's half a terabyte in one, just chip package. Ten cents a right? gig is going to happen, guys. No, no, no. <laughs> it's going to take a little while. Um, so, you know, just to, for for those familiar with looking at any of the benchmarks around the web from the SM951, if you were kind of lusting over that and trying to find a good deal on it, well, you don't really have to worry about that anymore because these are basically those, except a little bit better. Um, and much more available, right? Because these are going to be, you know, retail. Actually, I think they're shipping now at, by this point. If not now, probably tomorrow, I think. What was it the 29th or 28th? 29th, 28th. Yeah, it might be today. Yeah. Um, that's, that's when the ship date was for pre-orders on Amazon uh, and Newegg. Um, so, I mean, now really, it's it November just... 1st, but whatever. Yeah. Um, of course. If you if you just kind of walking through our kind of normal testing, uh, the short version is like low Q depth performance. These actually walk all over uh, SSD 750s. Uh, so in other words, like just you know, for example, we have um, an HD tech which just hits the drives with a sequential really low, like just Q depth of one, right. really small transfers. Yeah, that's the first one right? I showed. Um, they actually these drives are actually uh beating or at least neck and neck if you're if you're counting both of the capacities mm-hmm. uh actually the 256 gig capacity is almost identical in performance in this particular test with the SSD 750 with, with the SSD 750 that's a 1.2 terabyte version yeah so you know it's not a matter of how parallel how many numbers of dies there are you know for that controller to talk to and that's with this controller being an 8-channel controller versus the SSD 750, which is an 18-channel controller, and it's still able to, you know, pull that off. So, obviously, the num- the raw number of channels you have is not necessarily right. uh, going to win you anything, uh, especially in the case of just, like, consumer kind of stuff. Now, I'll caveat that with SSD 750 has enterprise pedigree. You can hit that drive at Q-depth, like, scaling all the way up sure. to, like, you know, 512 IOs at the same time, and it will continue to ramp up, where... 
drives like this will actually have you know hit their saturation point. I mean, if you look at like a Yap sequential reads, it looks like the Intel SSD 750 is a little bit higher. Like it's like 2.55 gigabytes right. per second, while the 512 gig 950 Pro is kind of 2,400 megabytes per second. Yeah, you know, or so. So I mean, and they're really the, close. The highest, yeah, it's right? it's really it's really. Um, and just throughout the benchmarks, throughout the typical like the the, the our normal benchmarks that we'd run. You'll see like the, the half a terabyte model and the quarter of a terabyte model of the uh, 950 Pro mm-hmm. kind of like trade blows or come in like slightly above and slightly below the 1.2 terabyte SSD 750, right? So just depending on the capacity, right? Because the capacity of, of these models does affect the performance, right? Um, you know, partially because you have only two packages worth of chips on the thing versus the SSD 750, which has like I don't even remember. It's right. like I think it's like. 16 per side or something it's yeah um so there's that so good performer all around very Um, good performer very good performer just to reiterate like significantly faster than a sata ssd any sata ssd you can get we had some people ask uh like in the comments and other places and i just to try to relate them to that if you took say three or four very high performance sata ssds Mm -hmm. and you put them in a raid zero on an intel uh, chipset Mm -hmm. right that's kind of the territory you're in. Okay. Right? You're basically, you know, around three or four of them worth. As a matter of fact, if you're talking about, like, raw throughput, you'd actually need more than that, and the Intel RAID controller, like, just is bandwidth limited at around two gig per second, so you can't even go in a straight line speed (laughs) as fast with, like, the best RAID you could throw together compared to just one of those tiny little SSDs, right? If you think about that, it's pretty cool, right? Don't eat the SSD. So... How is this as as good, if not better, as an 18-channel controller? Is it just in the controller tech, or is it the extremely low latency VNAND, or it's, it, what's helping a bit it? Of both? What's helping it is the VNAND helps you with latency per I/O, right? Which doesn't really matter on how high you're scaling it. If your per I/O latency is still very short, even if you ramp it up, you know the ramping up portion of it is really more a matter of how efficient is the controller at being able to handle a really you know, deep queue mm-hmm. worth of stuff. How how well was it able to organize all those commands in a way where you're not going to get let, let any one of them uh, take too long, right? Um, actually, the SSD 750. If you go really crazy high on queue depth, again, now you're in enterprise territory. It's actually better at kind of regulating that stuff, but that's not, you know, no consumer workload will ramp up a 950 Pro high enough to where that's actually an issue. Where it's not able to juggle them as effectively as a sure you know because you have to be like Q depths higher than 128, which is 128 things simultaneously being requested <laughs> of the SSD at the same time, right? And then the other thing to consider is as fast as this goes, your system will have a hard time even throwing that many at it in order for the queue to grow that large because they're again they're getting responded to so quickly, you know you're, you're fighting a losing battle even trying to get it to to sure. ramp up on the queue, right? Um, so do we you also had a page on here that looked at latency uh, yep. testing. Do we want to touch on that at all? Like uh, we can real just quick. briefly. So uh, you're kind of starting a, a new testing methodology, latency distribution, latency percentiles, and we have a whole bunch of really odd looking graphs. Yeah. Um, this is something that's going to work its way into pretty much all of our reviews, consumer or enterprise. Sure. Um, just moving forward. But for this article I figured we had it ready enough to actually kind of show people some stuff with it. 
So I figured, why not? And I just chose so random rights, QDev32, just to keep everything consistent. And QDev32 is kind of like probably the the worst case write I.O. you would see going to an SSD sure. in a consumer uh, setup. So, so I just picked that, and I tested a whole bunch of different things, right? And, they, and I laid them all out on these charts. And all they're showing is just the latency distribution. And the key here is that we're not just looking at one-second averages. You might have seen reviews elsewhere around the web. Uh, I've tried to avoid doing that. I don't think we've ever done a review that just did, like, latency average each second all plotted, okay. like, over time. Uh, because I, I tend to not like that because it's kind of deceiving. Um, because if you look at a one-second average of what an SSD does, there's like could be a couple hundred thousand IOs within that one second. And half of them might be awesome, and then a quarter of them might be kind of mediocre, and maybe like an eighth of them or something is like way off in the long latency. Mm-hmm. It'll get lost in the wash of the average. Right. Right. Uh, so if you're going to ever show like real latency of an SSD... Um, you need to show the distribution. You need to take into account every single so I.O. So we, we equated this in a previous video uh, to how we do GPU testing with the frame rating methodology. Yes. Right, where we uh, are looking at individual frame times, not average frame rates. Uh, we're, we're, we're plotting those frame times. We're looking for instances where things are slower than they should be or faster than they should be at zero yep. uh, and, and trying to figure out why those things are happening and how that affects performance. This is a similar thing to what you're doing here. Uh, the graph is maybe a little bit more difficult to read because we're looking at logarithmic scales and a, yeah. a, a, a ton of numbers, really. But if you look at the graph uh, that we had, that I brought up here, which is the latency distribution um, that has all these SSDs on the right. And what's interesting to note, it's like in the legend, we have all these different SSDs. And in their description is the actual, the, the rated performance of this test. What we claim is the IOPS for right. that drive. It, that's the IOPS that we're seeing. 4K random read QDEP32. Yep. But this is the distribution of it. Like, so what's the orange line here, for example, because it's the one that stands out the most. What is that? The, the orange uh, line was the Revo. The OCZ Revo 350. Yep. So here's how its latency uh, is distributed across its total score, yep. right? And and what we want is the more of the bell curve you have to the left, the better, right? Well, ideally, you just the, the perfect case would just be like the narrowest spike you could possibly have, right? And as far the to the left to the left as you could possibly have, right? right? But that's not really going to be the case, especially uh, if you do a, a test with you know a kind of a higher Q depth, like Q depth of thirty two. Mm-hmm. That's going to spread them out. Yep. Um, because some of those IOs are going to have to wait in line, right? Uh, if if two IOs that are going to that drive happen to the controller decides that those two need to both go to the same die, right? One of them has to wait in line, mm-hmm. and it has to wait in line until that other one finishes writing to the flash before it can go in, sure. right? Um, and that gives you kind of what's on the right side of the bell, right? Right. Uh, and the reason that it's just a, a you know a nice kind of smoothish kind of bell is because that doesn't happen all the time. And, you know, when you take everything into account, yeah, they all spread out into that kind of a thing. Um, and, uh, so I, I, and then I, I want to show, I want to show the other graph as well. Like, so that, that, yeah, that so, that's kind so of like all a, those bell curves can be confusing to look at. Yeah. So to make things much, much simpler and probably the thing that will be presented more often in articles in the future is just the latency percentile. Right. Okay. And that is, uh, how far worth of latency, what latency range does a given SSD take for you to reach uh, the like 
all of its IOs falling into. In other words, uh, the ramp will start to go up uh, from zero and start ramping up towards 100%. And then, like, basically, it's as if you added up all the area under the curve of all those different bells. Yeah. That's what this is. And it lets you see very clearly, okay, what's the what's the shortest that this particular, let's take that same Revo 350, for example, mm-hmm. and that shortest latency falls into the point where it kind of knees and goes, starts ramping up from zero. And then it just kind of like eventually slopes off and eventually hits 100% a little bit more to the right. But you can see it now compared to all of the other ones. Mm-hmm. And you can see how its distribution compares to all the other ones. So it's further right on the, on the scale, meaning it has a higher latency per IO mean. It's a slower drive. Yes. Right. Um, and uh, not only that, but again, remember, this is a logarithmic scale. Uh, but because it's a logarithmic scale, we can do really cool things like include uh, first generation SATA SSD, which is actually that extra gray line like in the middle. Vertical. Uh, which is basically vertical. And then we can even include things like hard drives. Yes, the yellow, blue, and green the, line. The the yellow, end. blue, yeah. and green line um, on the same chart. And realize every time you're going across a major increment on the bottom of, of that scale, each major line represents times 10. In other words, 10 yep. times as long that you have to wait, right? So if you look at where that cluster of PCIe SSDs falls, uh, you're actually, you know, two, three, four orders of magnitude, right? Uh, you know, slower for hard drives. So... I don't, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on this. We, we could we could make a whole hour long podcast about it, but this is something that will be included in further uh, reviews. We'll be we'll talk yep. about it more on this, and then kind of what it means to kind of sum up the nine fifty series uh, pricing wise. We're looking at sixty eight cents a gig for the five twelve gig model. Yes, seventy eight cents a gig for the two fifty six. So that makes it one hundred ninety nine dollars for the smaller drive, three forty nine for the bigger drive. Yep, and that's three hundred forty nine dollars and sixty eight cents a gig. It's fairly high. In, compared is, to SATA SSDs. It is really high, but that's the best performing SSD. But it's, right, it's the fastest SSD that we have. Yeah. Even, and I, is it fair to say it's faster than the Intel SSD 750? Uh, the half a terabyte one, I would say, is pretty it's, much just wins. And it's 350 bucks. Uh, and the 400 gig um, Intel PCIe SSD is, what, 420, 430, something think, like that? I it's over so. a dollar a gig for the lowest yeah. lowest capacity. Um so you're getting more capacity at a higher, at a higher performance, uh-huh. and that's that's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It's very very good. Um, One terabyte version coming this year. Uh, yep, or this next coming, year. I'm sorry, next well, year. early next year. Yeah. Um, and then there were some people that kind of griped about the warranty being only five years. Uh, the even the first generation or not first generation, but when the 800 series Pro drives came out, they mm-hmm. initially had a five year warranty. Mm-hmm. Samsung. Pretty soon after the launch, bumped it up to ten. Um, I wouldn't assume that they're going to do that with these, though. I, I wouldn't think so either. Even just based on because they've clearly had that experience before. Well, there's that, and then there's. I, I think ten years is kind of too long, anyway. Like for a company to try to support any given product for ten years is kind hey, of. Hey, look, man! If Kia you know, can do it, or Hyundai, or whoever does it, well, they're the same company. But that's now. just the drivetrain. Yeah. But at least it's something. I don't know. No, I, 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 I don't think you. I would never say that. Uh, that they're making a warranty for 10 years is too long. Like, if you told me a company that maybe you wouldn't think would be around in 10 years yeah, was yeah. doing that, I get you. But Samsung will be here in 10 years, even if they're only making refrigerators. Sure. But they'll be here in 10 years. Um, so I, I think that's, that's a drawback. Yeah. But again, What's for me... What's the longest 
part that you've ever kept in your computer? It would probably be a hard drive. Honestly, really, I, I really? would think it would be a sound card, and that'd be about well, it. Well, nobody has well, sound cards anymore, Josh. Yeah. Also, asking hmm. us is kind of a yeah. We're we're, we're different, like you know, it's, I, I would say it's monitor first, probably. It's like longest tooth product. Keyboard. Not for Alan. Not not for Alan for sure. I'm talking about general no. consumer. Um, but I I bet there's a lot of people and I that do what I have done in the past, which is when you upgraded your system, you brought your old hard drive with you. Because you didn't want to move all the yeah. data, you want to leave it behind, whatever it was, and so you carry around multiple hard drives through multiple upgrades yeah. and, along and, the way. And I mean, for this, some people might it's even have to do that with PCIe. Some people that really want this particular SSD being M.2, uh, some folks with other PC hardware might actually have to get an adapter just to future-proof them for the moment, right? To be able to connect it. Sure. I was going to ask about that. Does the performance suffer at all? Through an adapter, like a by four PCIe adapter. Uh, no, I tested the half a terabyte model for this article <clears throat> on a, an adapter. Okay, so there you now go. was that one push the limits of by four? Then does it technically kind of creep into by eight territory or no? Uh, no. On no, reads, no. it's um. I mean, it's it's getting there, but two it's and a half not, gigs. Is, so three is it three gigs about three gigabytes per second? It's like three or three point two is what it to works get out to, to by four PCI three. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So I mean, you know, it's it's approaching it, but it's not. It's clearly not just flat out bottlenecked by it. The bottleneck mm -hmm. is somewhere back, probably in, just in the controller itself. Right. So if you're on like a Z7 or a Z68 board, and you're running like a 2600K, and you only have Gen 2, <coughs> you might not be able to get all the way there on by four Gen 2. Right. Uh, that is true. Uh, you're gonna okay. you're gonna saturate your Gen 2. Um, yeah, because that's never two gigabyte, gigabit. But but remember, you're only going to saturate it when you're going like in a straight line. Like so interesting. We'll, we'll talk about the 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 Surface stuff earlier. I did an auto test on the Surface. Yeah. Uh, Pro Four today, mm -hmm. and it pegged at 1.5 gigs per second read speed, and it's a 256 gig NVMe drive. So that's what PCI Express by two by two. I think. Wow, you think they only gave it two lanes, or it's running, or maybe it's running at 2.0 for it's not uh, power. running at 2.0. It might be running a 2.0 for power. It might be running a 2.0 for, for power. Also, the writes were very slow. Like, the writes, 300 megs per second. We'll have to do some more digging uh, to do that. But... 1.5 by 300 is a little that bit That might up. also be like a firmware tuning thing for power. Yeah, because writing is more power intensive. Yes. Yeah. It might be. Yep. We'll check on that, too. All right. So if, if you want more information on the 950, which surely you do, uh, it will be for sale according to Amazon on November 1st. Go to PCPro.com. Check out the review. And if you're going to buy one, buy one through those special links uh, at, on the last page. That helps us out through a uh, little commission-y, sales -y thing. Yeah. All right, let's talk about something else because we talked about that for a long time. ROG Swift PG279Q G-Sync monitor. Uh -huh. So we talked about this when it launched the first time, we when it launched the second time, and now that there's a review here, we can talk about it. So this is a 2560 by 1440, 27-inch monitor, mm -hmm. uh, IPS screen, uh, 165 hertz refresh rate is what they rated at. Uh, now you have to change a couple settings in the OSD and it's technically overclocking to push it from 144 to 165 hertz refresh rate um, but it it's a, a dead simple process mm -hmm. right you have to go into the OSD yeah, you hit a it's couple the buttons. first menu in the OSD called overclocking you say yes or on you could you could almost step all the way through it without doing an up and or, or down right. or anything like just default 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 right. enter and it just like goes to overclock mode yeah so uh, 
this is, if you look at the photo of it here, it's like the same industrial design as the original ROG Swift. It uh, is very well built, very nice uh, uh, form factor, not form factor, but yeah, form, factor. form factor plastics. Like it's got like red lighting around the ring of the base. It rotates. It's, it's got no height gloss. adjustment. There's no gloss anywhere. There's no gloss anywhere. It's very stable. It's very strong. Yep. It's, it's not, doesn't feel cheap. Uh, in any way, they much added, like um, the original Swiften. The ROG logo is also lit along with the circular yep. circle. The light in motion, which still doesn't make any sense to me, that naming scheme. And you can turn that off if you don't like it. Um, so like I said, IPS screen, very high quality device here uh, in terms of image quality, color reproduction. Uh, did fantastic out of the box in terms of how well the color uh, yeah, the was col- reproduced. Yeah, the color was really good right out of the and box. And then after calibration, it got a little bit better. Yep. Uh, but you can see here, like the back of it, it's the same angular design, very kind of aggressive gaming styled ROG monitor. It's I think it looks identical really good. to the first Swift on the outside. Yeah, it really is. It, yeah. it really is. Um, the buttons on the side are identical as yep. well to the original Swift. So if, if you had an experience with those, I love the little joystick, uh, this little red part right here. That's how you navigate through the menus and stuff. It's, it's way easier than using anything else. It is. Uh, that is out on the market. And uh, it's actually reversed. Like it's because it's it's yes, out, it's like, out the back, but moving you, your finger to the right actually moves the cursor. Well, it's to it's the, how you're facing. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They were smart enough to do that. That yep. could have been a real annoyance had they gotten that wrong. Yeah, that would be bad. Uh, in terms of inputs, <laughs> it has DisplayPort obviously for the G-Sync capability, mm-hmm. uh, but then it has an HDMI input as well that does not support variable refresh. It only supports it supports 25 by 14 at 60 hertz. Okay, and does actually go through the G-Sync module. I did confirm that there's an input that's going into the G-Sync module. It just doesn't support VRR. Right. It's um, just kind of passing it through. It just kind of sends it through. So yep. if you want to use it on a on a system that doesn't support it, you want to hook it up to a, I don't know, the cable box or whatever you oh, would do you with that. Like, like a any, any, anything that's yeah. an HDMI device? Yeah, a laptop like that a, has HDMI out but doesn't have DTM. Switch between the two. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I'm talking like TV type things, like, um, you know, Chromecast or something. Yeah, that's true. Right? You could do that. Yeah. Uh, the, the OSD is great. We talked about lots of uh, functionality there. Overdrive was fantastic. Overdrive was among so the So this I've is a seen. screenshot of Overdrive off. This is when it's to normal, where there's, like, literally there, we no could, like, artifacting I mean, on yeah. this. I mean, we're talking, like, I, I was I was pixel peeping. Yeah. Literally, like, of, you know. pervert. Because we took the because we took the the the, the photo uh, macro enough so that we can actually pick out all the pixels yep. and like there just wasn't a ghost or I mean yep. just nothing. It, it was impressive, and this is yeah. on extreme where you get into the reverse ghosting, which is you know don't don't you don't usually want to do that. Yep. Uh, color calibration really good as I mentioned. Viewing angles, it's an IPS screen. They're fantastic. Yep. This pattern I find interesting in the middle when you look at it from under, you don't the, see it when you're looking it's at it. It's the, from the camera. Yeah, it's from the camera. Uh, but it's still interesting to me. Uh, and like I said, this is kind of the extreme. Yep. I'm up and I'm above and I'm to the right angle and, and still everything And looks. it is an IPS screen, not an MVA screen, so you're going to get a little bit of glow on like black backgrounds and yeah. stuff. Yeah, but it um, wasn't a lot. Like we, we saw some people comment in our, in the article or in the comments of the article, hey, check for, for IPS bleed and stuff. There was some bleed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but it, it was it was pretty hard to pick out. Like we actually had intentionally had to go like black background. Well, that's how you look like, for it, right? And it, yeah. and it wasn't enough that I noticed it in any other thing. Right. Now, that's something that could differ unit to unit as they get shipped out and things move and rustle around. Um, in terms of the overclocking, this is how it works, right? Like you go into the OSD here, uh, you basically turn it on, change the max refresh. You can adjust that from what, 144 
to 145, and then by fives up to 165. It, yeah. if, if for some reason you don't want to go to 165. Um, but they, the monitor is, I did verify with ASUS, the monitor is warrantied at 165. So you should go to 165 if you're going to buy this display. Yeah. It does replace that 144 number with whatever you correct it to. Correct. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, here's what's interesting, right? So you're, you're moving, there are existing 144 hertz monitors, IPS even. Yep. The one you have, the Acer XB270HU, uh, yep. is a 144 IPS G-Sync display. Yep. Um, I honestly expected the difference in going from 144 to 165 to be pretty much zero to be negligible to be like well okay it's faster now you can say it's faster whatever right, right. Uh, but uh both of us agree that the there's a different feel using to it. it on even in windows like well i guess i would say especially in especially windows especially in windows yeah where moving the mouse cursor moving windows interacting with things felt different from 144 to 165 in a similar way that 120 to 144 does or even like 90 to 120 does Right, there was it was noticeable, and I didn't expect yeah. it to be. Uh, you would expect that you keep going higher and higher, you would kind of get diminishing. Yeah, returns, at some point. Yeah, right? uh, but this, uh, and I walked into it completely expecting that. I was like, yeah, I'm probably not really going to notice, and like almost immediately, just by moving the mouse around the desktop between 144 and 165, I was like, wow, that's yeah, it's kind of crossing some kind of mental threshold just for me, where it's like this is like not even. A refresh thing anymore. It almost like seemed like a constant. Like it's just yeah, smooth. It's it's hard to explain, but it, it definitely felt different and not in a negative way. Right, right. I think it felt odd, but I think you get used to it. In terms of the gaming side, um, you know, if you're playing at a variable refresh, you the the one forty four to one sixty five range is only useful if you're playing a game that goes into those yeah yeah. Into those if, if you were never hitting one forty four before, it's going to be the same exact experience. Correct. Right. Now, like I turned on Unreal Tournament two thousand four, right? game yeah. with a 980 ti that you know we could push it and that was going easy, 165 and it would nail it and it, and it played awesome and looked pretty but there's also cool. an argument to just not even like enabling g-sync necessarily and using it as 165 hertz standard that's true refresh rate. Uh, but you do have to have an nvidia gpu to, i should point out to use the 165 to, to a go, maxwell nvidia gpu yeah. to use 165 hertz refresh um and and even you and i were actually looking at that too because we were fired up the pendulum demo right at 165, and we were playing around with you know not having G-Sync enabled and trying V-Sync on, V-Sync off, mm -hmm. and we could pick out the tearing or the judder. You the, could. The yeah, tearing, yeah. the tearing was harder to see, for sure. It was probably almost impossible to see really when you're going that fast. Um, but if you had V-Sync on, and I don't know why you would want it, but if you had V-Sync on, you could tell it was juddering. You still you, could. You could Correct. still pick out the judder. Yeah, um, like if you were running at 130 frames per second yeah. and 165 hertz refresh, you could, it was. You could tell it was there. It was probably still. I would say just as obvious. So if like you have the very obvious, I mean, but, I don't know why you would ever. Yeah, you would disable the G-Sync capability of the display if, right. you, if you had it. But there are there are reasons people will have other considering reasons. Considering you have to have G-Sync to run this monitor at 165 hertz, you don't That's have to have G-Sync. Yes, you do. All of those GPUs that can run it at that well, refresh yeah, support G-Sync. Yeah, you have to be able to Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't have to run. You don't have to enable G-Sync to run yeah, that. Yeah, but why would I, I agree. I no, I agree. Um, so uh, pricing wise, seven hundred ninety nine dollars shipping first week in November. Same it's price as the original. Same price the original ROG Swift launched at. It's the same price that the Acer XB two seventy HU launched at. Yep. Uh, you can promised. now get the Acer for about seven fifty five uh, on Amazon. Uh, and the original ROG Swift, the 278Q, actually still sells for six seventy, so only one hundred and twenty, one hundred thirty dollars yeah. less than this. They promised us no supply issues. They did. Saying. They did promise no supply issues. And you can take that to mean one of two things: one is they have a lot of stock; 
two is look the initial super drive excitement of a G-Sync monitor that has kind true. of been purchased and died down. Yeah. So while people are still excited about this monitor, the people that bought the original RG Swift are not going to be very likely to upgrade to another yeah. eight hundred dollar display. I mean, take take my panel for example. I have the Acer panel. It's pretty close to the same piece of glass. It's IPS. It's yeah. not one sixty five. Yep. But you know the display itself looks amazing. Sure, the, the bezel and all the housing it's yeah. in, I think, looks like a toy. But like, <laughs> I'm not really looking at that all the time. I'm looking at you know the actual piece of glass in the right. middle, right? Um, so I'm I'm probably if I didn't have that, if I was still on the original Swift, I would probably immediately jump to this, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So this isn't enough to get you off the Acer Predator then? Uh, I'd have to be able to like almost break even on selling the. Acer one to justify it. I, I, I mean, if you if you have if you recently bought a seven hundred and fifty dollar monitor, yeah. that goes to one forty four G Sync, then no. <laughs> right, that's what yeah, I'm but saying. If you're in the market, say Alan, you were a normal person and just had like a you know a 1080p monitor, and you were like, I'm going to spend eight hundred bucks on a monitor tomorrow. Do you go Acer Predator? Do you, you know, go what's, the new generation Swift? What's funny is I, I would say that if not for the fact that I work at this site and was able to see these monitors. I might not have even bought the first Swift, like at least right away. Well, variable refresh is, is hard to describe. People it's, just it, yeah, it, uh, that's that crap, is but. you really, really, really have to sit down with one for a few minutes. If somebody said, "Will you spend seven fifty five on the Acer or seven ninety nine on the Asus?" I would buy the Asus. Absolutely. It just not because not even just because of the one forty four to one sixty five advantage, but just like the build the build quality, quality. advantage yep. is there. Um, and to be fair, to be sure, to be clear, rather, he doesn't have the Predator version of the 144 hertz Acer. Okay, it's just XB270 HU. Technically branded Predator. Yeah, it's branded Predator. I don't know if it is because they're coming out is. with a no, it's with an Acer Predator they, 144 they put, IPS G-Sync that has like I know. the more aggressive orange feet styling and they stuff. Put they put Predator in the brand name. on it at some point. Did they? Yeah. Okay. I think maybe they took it off, but it whatever. probably shouldn't be in there. I think they kind of backed away from it. Yeah, but, I think but, I think they're trying to save that branding for a different stylization. Yep. But um, so check out that review. That is something we've been looking forward to since CES. No, did they talk about that at CS? They, I don't think they did. You got to see it? No. No, that, that was, was the, the no. that was the free sync. That was the free sync one. No, it was yeah. the free sync one. Well, and the, the MG279 and the 4K before, Swift. Yeah. yeah, before it was a free sync, but yeah. So anyway, that's the ROG Swift PG279Q. <sighs> huh. Um, what the hell time is it? Oh, Jesus. Okay, Where? here we go. Oh, wait. No, we did have this. There was one more thing on the ROG Swift. We did also uh, from commenters from commenters uh, about testing the power draw uh, when you increase refresh rates. They said, "Oh, when you run it at 165, you actually draw more power." And I thought that sounds stupid. That's probably not true. Um, so I hooked up the PG279Q and 980Ti, and sure enough, that's exactly what happens. You can see on this was, graph here. It was not just 165. It was also 144. Right. As soon as you jump from 120 to 144, yep. the monitor power doesn't go up substantially like one watt, but the system power goes up from 76 to 133 at idle in Windows. Yep. Right? And not even in a uh, game. to 165, it goes about the same. And you'll see this 165 peak at 201. That's really like I saw several instances where the power, idle power consumption would go up to 201 um, for 10 or 20 seconds at a time and then come back down to 137. I, was, I wasn't able to repeat that, but. But um, it, was, yeah. it was odd. So I, I would, I'm not so much worried about that one as much as I am the 137. Um, yeah, the lowest you would see was Now, here's, here's, why, here's why it happens. Well, the, the reason it happens is that. This is a measure of clock speed as reported by GPU-Z. Now, so this is your GPU running at 135 megahertz. 
And right here is where we switch from 120 to 144 hertz. And your clock speed comes all the way up to 885 and just stays there. Huh. So you're, when you run your refresh rate at 120, your GPU gets a clock at 135. When you run your refresh rate at 144, your GPU has to go to 885. Yep. And as a result, you see that power consumption increase. You know, the fans start to come on. Like, it took a little while, but the fans did come on on our EVGA card eventually. Uh, GPU-Z says you're running at 30% of your TDP level. Yep. At idle in Windows. So that's, that's disappointing. Um, here's what happens on an AMD card, an AMD Fury, with a similar ROG. That's not really an ROG Swift. I didn't take that out. Um, MG279Q monitor. It's their FreeSync 144 hertz IPS yeah. screen. At 120, 70 watts at the wall. At 144, 71 watts at the wall. And it doesn't go change. Above that. And it doesn't, it doesn't change substantially. And your clock speed stays at 300 across the board. And I was able to confirm uh, separately uh, a similar thing happens with the 680. GTX 680? GTX 680, except yeah. uh, it doesn't go all the way up to 800 and something. Uh, it sits at like 550 or something like that. But it is still drawing more power. So um, th the reason this occurs, at least my assumption is, so there's a pixel clock, there's a GPU clock. The pixel clock determines how much bandwidth uh, it can output. So yep. pixels times refresh rate times bit rate, all that stuff. Yep. Um, crossing from 120 to 144 hits some threshold in this combination of GPU and driver and monitor yeah. um, where it goes, we don't have enough bandwidth to push that out. We need to clock the GPU up. Unfortunately, it has to clock the GPU up a whole lot to do it. In the case of... In the case of the AM, the NVIDIA hardware. Well, but it's actually Maxwell versus Kepler is even a little bit of well, a Well, sure, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, it, I mean, it's but it still went up. Yeah, yeah. Right? But it's like, the next, it's like the next up from the bottom power state. And AMD's doesn't do it. So we're still trying right. to figure out exactly what's causing it, if it's a requirement. Like, we hooked up the MG279Q to the NVIDIA hardware and yeah. ran it at 144, and its power consumption didn't go up. Yeah. So it is a is it a G sync thing? Is it just a? Yeah, we're not uh, we're not sure. We don't really know yet. We're still figuring out. I got a lot of questions into Nvidia, but they're not um, super eager to talk about it. But it, but it was interesting that we were able to push a panel at the same refresh rate and pixels, not and it pushed the power and it didn't go up. So we're yes, trying to figure out the real answer. Essentially, there is a fix though. If you set your panel to refresh at 120 in the desktop, and right. then in the in the GPU driver, there's a flag for it's run the default. maximum oh it is it is the default okay. so uh if you're concerned about this yeah you know you just found out about this and you're like oh that's why my system was running you know or, or maybe you didn't know or you know yeah. maybe you already knew but um all you got to do for the average person that hasn't messed with their nvidia control panel at all and just has defaults in there uh just set your desktop back to 120 that's the only change you have to make yeah then your desktop experience will still be reasonably fluid you're, yeah. you're at 120 uh but the default in nvidia control panel is either application controlled is not the default the default is maximum refresh rate when you're in a game huh i didn't so, know that actually so it uh, just clocks up and i didn't know that either when you launch a huh. 3D yeah. application so, so all i had to do was i just dropped my desktop to 120 at the house and then just to test it i just fired up a game and then right in the and i looked at the osd of of my uh hmm. of my panel at home and hmm. it just was at 144 yeah. in the game. And then I backed out the desktop, right back down to 120, and the power drop dropped back down. So very simple workaround, but we're still, you know... You like, shouldn't have to, but... You shouldn't have to. You can do this. We kind of still want to get yeah. a little bit more detail out of it, yeah. but, you know, that's where we're at right now. All right, so that's the monitor. Moving on. Uh, real quick, Steam Link. We talked about this a little bit last week. I, we posted a separate video now that looks at the Steam Link and, and focuses not on the Steam controller necessarily, uh, looking at 
the $50 device that allows you to stream up to 1080p60 across your local network uh, from your gaming PC running Steam to a, to a different TV. Um, it works fine. Uh, the same... The same hurdles exist for this game streaming technology as any other game streaming technology. Uh, there is a latency addition to streaming video and then capturing input and sending it back and then rendering that and then sending it back, you know, stream, uh, encoding it, sending it back to the network and back to the to your TV. Um, that I don't I don't know if you'll ever get around. Yeah. Maybe eventually you will. You'll have networks and interfaces that are, are fast enough that that happens. Instantly. Other stuff needs could, to change. Maybe they'll have uh, last second warp. On uh, the local streaming <laughs> device, right? I mean, that's that, that would be that's, that that's would how be you can fix yeah. it, right? Yeah. Um, but the devices would have to have more computer in them than they have now. Uh, actually, I I take that out of the podcast. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go put that in a yeah. patent filing right patent, now. Patent that crap. Um, so would, I I, yeah. I mean it, it's fine. Like it, I played uh, uh, Dirt Rally and I played what else did I play in that can that was fine. Uh, uh, Rocket League. Played, played, played fantastic, right? They're yeah. games that require not a whole lot of precision, at least especially the way I play racing games. Um, but like a first-person shooter like Bioshock Infinite, I could immediately tell that there was latency uh, through that capability. So do, you, do either of you guys, Josh, Sebastian, have any experience with kind of like the streaming gaming stuff at all? Have you tried to use like Steam and home streaming from PC to PC? Negative. No. No. Well... I, based, I should. On, based on this we're, experience, we're chained to our PCs. And yeah, we like that's it true. That way. That's true. I, I, my my kind of impression would say like, don't run out and buy this device, uh, thinking and that you it's know what gonna... you've never sat on my couch, so you don't know the pain and agony. That's true. That's true. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yes, the Steam Link will work with a Steam computer running Linux as long as you have Steam on that machine. It just looks for yeah. PCs on um, uh, on a network, and it just has a regular Steam. USB dongle that it maps out like normal controller. Yeah, I mean, you can use a Steam controller, you can use an Xbox controller. You can use a mouse and keyboard. Yeah, you can use a mouse and keyboard if you want too, right? You could, yeah. uh, It's a fairly functional device, it's just my my kind of first impressions with it were it's it's not any better than Seaman home streaming. It's about the same. It's not any better device. than the GeForce yeah. game stream. It's a fifty dollar device that does the existing Steaman home streaming, so you don't have to have another PC. It yeah. doesn't change anything. It's just cheap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and finally, real quick on the review side, Lee posted a review today of the Thermaltake Tough Power DPSG eight hundred and fifty watt power supply, and it looks like that eight hundred fifty watts. Um, Shiny. Yeah, I yeah. like the red line. It's it's uh I think we used a one kind of like this on that gigabyte system giveaway that we did. So somebody we know has a a, a power supply very similar to this. Uh, you know, do, do you like the gold? Do you not like the gold? It's kind of there's yeah. a lot of personal preference there. Gold is chintzy, but the red and black is nice. It's not real gold, I should point out, just in case no. people are, are maybe concerned. Um, but it looks like a nice cheese grater. USB integration, like I like the link sort of. Yeah, but not as good at implementation software-wise. Okay. Yeah. Um, lots of cables there. Length looks pretty decent. Uh, I don't think we know who the actual OEM is. It did get a gold award. The only kind of weakness was only one of the 12-volt EPS connectors, right? So if you had a motherboard that maybe could support two of those 8-pin connectors, sometimes right. workstation boards would do that, but even some really high-end uh, consumer boards do do that as well. So... Um, and it's available up from 450 to 1,050 watts in this range. So if you're looking for a power supply, how much is this one? Let's see. $199 uh, on 
No, it's a retail. You can find it on Newegg for $154.99. So that's not too bad for an 850-watt power supply. And there you go. Check out that review if uh, you need a power supply. We don't have an advertising break here today, so we're not going to talk one. Okay. You guys want to – anybody want to pitch anything to me? Josh right. does. Josh, no you got something to pitch? <laughs> Josh, Josh's advertisement. <laughs> Josh must have thought we were getting ready to go into an ad break. I thought the chair might turn around Dr. Evil style. But <laughs> no, uh, the Inspector Gadget guy. What was no, that? No. Uh, Dr. Claw? Yeah. 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 Dr. Claw could have been. Josh is pitching an entire bookcase full of uh, computer components for sale. That's true. I could – Just I look could behind Please go to joshtech.com for <laughs> – yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought you were trying to sell people cars, right? Sebastian has That's right. exposure this, or this episode. Here's what I, today's podcast is sponsored by the InWin D-Frame <laughs> Mini. It's a mini ICX enclosure that I reviewed about a year, year and a half ago. I liked it a lot. It's a lot of money. Um, so if you've got the money, buy it. Status symbol. Awesome. Uh, also, this episode is brought to you by um, Ryan selling three cars. Yeah. So if you would like to purchase a 2013 Chevy Volt, uh-huh. a, 20, a 2007 uh Chevy Corvette uh-huh. with only 9,800 miles on it. Yeah, because you didn't have fun in that car. Or, which is a good reason for somebody to buy it. Like, I didn't beat it up. Totally or 2007 Toyota Tundra. Contact Ryan Shrout. Uh, all reasonable offers uh, considered. What are the miles on the Tundra? 83,000. Oh. What happened? Just low. A lot of highway That's miles. Low. That's pretty low for 2007. I mean, for Ryan, Kentucky though? to Dallas? Yeah, I drove the QuakeCon every year. It is the Tundra. Oh, okay. It is, has, the, it is the Tundra that has carted thousands and thousands of dollars of hardware right. that has been tossed in the back of it at the audience. I have spent a lot of time in that Tundra. That's true. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ken, Ken went to Dallas like three or four tundra. times in that Tundra. Ken oh. has dirty knees as well. Mm. No, there's you, a mattress in the back. You'll never get oh. the Ken funk out of that car. Nope. So never. The, Ken, the Ken what? It's you'll not have, a selling feature. You'll have, you'll have Ken with you feature. wherever you go. Uh, yeah. So anyway. Okay, so now moving away from that. Were you guys excited about the Surface crap? Surface Pro yeah. 4, Surface Book? I wanted to know what GPU was in the... Uh, we still want to know. I got bad news for you. We have it right over there, and we still want to know. So I, I actually purchased, and I want to make this very clear, I purchased a Surface Book yep. and a Surface Pro 4. With your own money. It's my own dollars, um, because Microsoft didn't want to send me any. Because we're not like the New But York I, thought, I knew there were really interesting devices that people were going to know about. So I hey, got, did they ever send you an Xbox or an Xbox 360 or an Xbox One? No. No, then you're... Not on the list, ah. man. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. So um, I'm working on a full review of both these devices. We posted a quick video perspective, uh, which is basically me kind of going over, here they are, here's how they showed up, and here's some of the quick differences. Uh, but the main point of the video was to... Ask people, like, what do you want to know? What do you want to see tested and compared between these two devices? Um, because I can already tell you, oh, hey, look, we're live now, um, that there are significant, more significant differences between these than I thought, right? So the book, yeah. I ordered the one, the Surface Book that has the discrete GPU in the base. Mm -hmm. It's an NVIDIA 384-core something. something. It's a Maxwell-based <laughs> GPU. One uh, GDDR5. GDDR5. It's using GDDR5. Oh, yeah, five one gigahertz, gigabyte of GDDR5. One gigabyte of memory. And it's uh, roughly twice as fast as what's in the... the, uh, the, uh, the a, quick, a quick score from you from, like, uh, 3D Mark Skydive. Is that what it's called? Skydiver? I think so, yeah. Um, the discrete GPU scores about 2x what the integrated GPU does. Yep. Okay. So I mean, it's about two times faster yep. than the 
Intel HD graphics. You no, know, Ryan, that's almost double the performance. Yeah. It's almost double the performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And you get that in this, uh, you know, little package, right? I played um, Rocket League on it. I played some Skyrim so far. I played some Bioshock Infinite, did I? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, and that was on the Surface Pro 4, which mm-hmm. has the same integrated GPU but no discrete GPU. Right. So, I mean, it's possible to do that. It's odd. Like, um, uh, it's a three by two display, yeah. And a lot of games go ah ah. Yeah. They don't know what to do. It's some of them don't like. You should just be able to like play it 1080p and then stretch it and letterbox it or whatever you're gonna do. I'm but you, you could just set your system display resolution 1080p before you went into the game, right? And it would Maybe. handle that. I don't know if you can do that. Like there's there's as we've been finding as we look with the devices, there's there's a lot of things that are different about these systems than you're used to. Like yeah. um, you don't get an NVIDIA control panel in the same way you expect to get an NVIDIA control panel. Um, yeah. with the Surface Book. Or an Intel You don't even really panel. get an Intel control panel, which yeah. is really odd. Like, I was like, I need to globally disable vSync. And it's kind of like, well, you can't really do that. And the only information I really get at anybody is like, well, you know, panel self-refresh is a thing. So maybe it's more complicated now. Maybe you can't just turn off vSync. Um, <sighs> so there's, there's different things to consider there. Uh, but so far, I really like the devices. I'll say that the keyboard, I, I, I wrote an editorial on the um, Surface Pro 4 type keyboard. And it's way better than I thought it would be. Okay. But the Surface Book keyboard is is even better than that. It might rival my experience with ThinkPad keyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot to, to get into on that. Any of you guys, Josh, Sebastian, have any thoughts or questions on on where I'm at with that that type of stuff? About that hinge. Yeah, that's my question too. Okay, so the hinge is there. It works. <laughs> it works. It works <laughs> fine. So take us through real quick, Ryan. Take yeah. us through. Um, and and what for the listeners later on the podcast, it. visualize yeah. it for us. The, 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 opening, opening the laptop. How the does biggest, it feel? Is the there a lot of resistance? Thing, the, the biggest thing I noticed that was a different than what you might have thought is that you can't open it flat. Yeah, you can. What do you mean you can't? The hinge. Wait, what do you mean? You can't fold it all the way back? The hinge will not go right, so, so, 180. Yeah, it can't lay flat, and you that's that flat. is be that is how close to flat. Not very. Uh, like maybe uh, thirty degrees. How much shy past ninety degrees? Uh, oh, it's a, it a significant go, amount. But, amount. But it's still 90. my primary problem. Not my primary. It's one of the problems I have with two-in-one designs. Yeah. Is that when you put all the electronics and cooling in the in the tablet part, which right. is up top, then you have this point where they they don't want it to tip over. Yep. Right, so they don't. They just don't let the hinge go back any further. Mm-hmm. Um, and with some devices, I had a Dell something at one point where it was it was so bad it was kind of an unusable thing. I remember that one. Um, and then I had another device that did it okay. It, it, only, right? it only went to like a hundred or maybe a hundred. Yeah, it was it was very narrow, and I thought well, that's not good. Yeah, like and the, and the Surface Pro Four has that does not have that problem, right? Because of its kickstand design, it, you can push it very flat. But then you have the added problem of well, you have to have a place to put that kickstand yep. as well, right? So if you have it on your lap, that metal kickstand has to be on your lap as well. Or if you're something, yeah. in an you're airplane, increasing the footprint in the Y direction a lot. Yes, you are. Yeah, um, so it it bends back not as far as I would like, but further than other devices. It, so I also have to see. It, what it's, it's pretty like. close to my MacBook Air. We figured out it's probably fifteen degrees shy of my MacBook Air being all the yeah. way open. Which I, I I think it's usable in my lab. We're we're having this debate in the office. I think it's pretty usable in the way that I normally have a laptop on yeah. my lap. I personally don't think I have a laptop when you open, open it enough. up, or does it kind of catch it places? It- no, it's very smooth. No, I mean, there's no, there's no uh, like resistance issues or kind of 
jerkiness to it or kind of stutteriness to it. It opens very smoothly. Um, the ejection process, reconnection process is pretty good. I've had one or two instances where I hit the button to eject it and like the light goes green, but I don't get the little notification on the windows pop up. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think I tried to pull it off once then and it went, no blue screened surprise. Um, Yeah, it didn't, wasn't a fan of that, but if, what I found is if you hit that and it goes green, but it doesn't, doesn't, you don't get the pop-up. If you just wait a few seconds, it relatch, relatches, and then you hit it again, and it, and it tended to work. That's probably like a hot fix. Kind yeah, of thing they're, they're, they're pretty good with firmware updates on the yeah. Surface products. So yeah, I imagine they'll address that. Yeah, and, look, and again, months. but on the Surface Pro 4, I've had two instances now where the keyboard that's attached to the like the keyboard type cover is no longer recognized or the touchpad isn't recognized until I huh. detach it, reattach it, and then it works fine. Um, so m my guess is that they have been very um, quick to fix those types of things on Surface Pro yeah. 2 and 3. Surat noticed the same thing with his because oh, it's really? a software-based unlock and sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but, but when it does work, it works well. Like it's... It's a smooth process. The transition between using discrete GPU and integrated GPU, you get a flash of the screen, and then everything kind of works. Yep. Um, and I think because of panel self-refresh and this kind of Optimus-y type thing, even though I don't even know if Optimus from NVIDIA yeah. is, a, is, a, is a product. Um, That's in this. Yeah. It's brand new. It's like Microsoft is taking very close control of it on purpose. Like they, they, they want it to be as good of experience as possible. So, uh, if you have any more thoughts or comments or whatever, go to that post on pcper.com. Look for that, uh, video perspective on it and leave me, I'm reading all the comments on that page. We've got a, we've got a good amount of them down here so far about what people want to see, what, you know, particular games they want to see, how to test the SSD, um, that type of stuff. So there's some specific requests here on, on, on testing the, the pin, implementation on these devices which so far in my experience has been pretty awesome um so yeah we'll we'll see and i have a feeling one of these two will be my new laptop i just have i need to decide which one i'm going to actually uh grace with that statement and then i'll have an xps 13 for sale if he wants to buy that three cars but it's got a dumb sticker on it in a laptop that sticker comes off dude it's also got uh -huh. a webcam that looks up your news Tell me about that. I'm trying to sell this thing. Yeah, that webcam stock. Just put I, some tape I'm on I'm trying it. to drive the value down so I can buy it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> you know how this works. What an ass. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. 8-bit audio explained. Did any of you guys watch this video? I did not. I that looks interesting. It's pretty good. So, Josh, did you watch it? No, but I'd like to. I just haven't had time in the last couple of weeks. So who is this guy, the 8-bit guy who we, we've, we talked about a couple of videos, like how he described old-school graphics and how they're being made. Yep. Um, he does the same thing with audio, talking about how they first made 8-bit sounds and, or, and, and how, it, how, it, how they worked with uh, – what was the first thing they did? It was like a, um, a tone speaker. And if you change the voltage to the speaker in a way that it wasn't meant to, you can make it a little slightly higher and slightly lower. But then you had to um, – like the amount of processing power that took mm -hmm. made it very f difficult for any programmers to actually implement any of that type of stuff into their games. It's a really interesting discussion. Uh, you can either find his video, he's the 8-bit guy on YouTube, or you can find the post on uh, PCPro.com here where we have his uh, thing. Any anytime you start a video with loading up a tape on a Commodore, it's probably going to be pretty good. Commodore, Commodore Music it's was probably, probably gonna a pretty, pretty awesome good. thing. Yeah. And uh, he is part of the Texas EV Club, apparently. And also, he's way shorter than the guy next to him that's talking. All right. A bit. Wow. I, I, somebody should have somebody got an egg crate. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. All right. What's up next? This is short. 
Sebastian, <laughs> a very short oh, PCB. I see, I see what I did there. Yes. What am I looking at, Sebastian? Well, uh, computer base in Germany had this first. Asus has worked on apparently a, a slightly custom version of the Nano with a white shroud over the fan. And the report also said it might be a, a custom PCB as well. They didn't have a lot of details at the time, just some leaked photos. Hmm. So if you are going with an all-white theme, and I know we looked at a titanium board last week, you could go all-white. You could find a white power supply, white GPU, white case. That's true. I mean, I don't know why you'd need an extra short graphics card. And I've seen some other white cards out there, but if you want the Nano in white, it's coming. <laughs> I, you know, I that, that crossed my mind, but I, I, I like the way it looks. Yeah, honestly, it looks nice. Um, I just feel like at this point, now that they've figured out a way to engineer whites that don't turn yellow with heat, they're just starting to do it for almost everything. Yeah, I agree. Thank goodness for BASF. They make the products we use better. Yeah. Uh, yes, marketing is working clearly on Josh. Yeah. Um, last but not least, Samsung has a 6 gigabyte per second 1 million IOPS SSD in a demo. Yeah, that was uh, at yeah. Dell World. They were showing it off. Hmm. They've got two versions of it. The full PCIe, yep. which I think is by 8, it is. was pushing that speed. It's the PM1725. And the SATA Express version of it is, of course, a little bit slower. But, yeah, they didn't have a lot of details about this thing. They were just kind of showing a few best-case scenario tests, you know, like uh, straight um, reads on it that were capable of producing about 60 gigabytes per second. And a million IOPS with, what was it, 4K random Yep, 4K random, 1 million IOPS from one device. Yes. That sucks. How many IOPS does the fastest 950 Pro we just talked about go at? Uh, the rating's 300,000. In reality, it's like 200, 220, something like that. It's only four of these. Uh, yeah. The SSD 750 is rated to like at like uh, 440. I can't wait but till there are to... gaming laptops with four of those 950 Pros in them in like a raid zero <laughs> well, nsi will have them yes next they will day. that that gt72 you have has 228 gig nvme samsung nvme drives in raid zero yes that's true <laughs> so we're close yeah yeah we're close i mean you you They'll hit, probably sell you one with four in in those uh <laughs> the problem is if you want to be able to raid those together and have them as your boot drive you have to be behind the chipset and then your chipset is the dmi bottleneck so yeah which you hit just by adding a second one in sequentials. Anyway. Unfortunately. So get shit together, Intel. Well, it's, Make it happen. You know, need the DMI to be even faster. So do it. What they they got the yeah, money. Yeah, come on, Intel. Well, you know. Francois, get on We're it. laying down the gauntlet on the PC Perspective Need podcast. more I.O. The problem, the problem is you're kind of like, you're getting, you're, you're uh, stealing Ram's thunder when you start Good. getting into like There's 10 gig per second and that. stuff. Good. You know, What's Ram well, no, done not, for us? It's, it's not that. It's that you would spend <laughs> pretty much everything. It's that, it's that you would spend because Ram, at least you know, you could read. Think about it. You can read from Ram that quickly, but it's a completely different interface with literally like zero overhead, right? Like it's sure. it's designed to be direct as direct as possible, mm-hmm. right? Whereas even NVMe, 
is like it's reduced overhead, but there's still overhead, right? So it gets to the point like where if you Wait till they have an NVMe two port on every SSD or on every processor. Yeah. I mean so what was that? How many NVMe channels is on your new Intel eighth generation core processor? I have four NVMe Uh, channels. You should put some cross point dims in there and you're good. Well yeah that would be one way. Um, because you don't just have... solved computing. Well, hey, you John, know what? SSDs still have cache on them. Uh, Why isn't this the same thing? Uh, you know, you've got the cache of the fast RAM, and then you've got the I/O guys. Same thing as an internal to the SSD. Yeah, you've yeah. got that little bit yeah. of DDR3 or whatever in there, and then <laughs> the and the, the, the NVRAM. When it comes to the, at least when it comes to like IOPS. Um, what was that system that we were using uh, when we did the five SSD 750s? X99 Deluxe. X99 Deluxe. Uh, Haswell E. Okay. But what CPU do we have in that thing? So it was like a 5960X. 12 didn't, didn't we do the 10 core Xeon? No. No, we did no, an no, 8 no. core 16 thread yeah. Haswell E overclock. Okay. So 8 core 16 thread CPU, right? Uh, I had every thread pegged simultaneously to hit 2 million IOPS. Mm hmm. See, we beat that stupid Samsung demo. Well, yeah, but we had four of those <laughs> running at the same time. I didn't to care hit that. about that. Imagine if you um, had four of the Samsungs. Uh, four of the Sam- but that's my point. We were pegging the like, CPU. Yeah, you could only it, you'd have the processor pegged with just two of these as opposed to four of those. Like, yeah, but that probably will only get better. Uh, not really. I like, see improvements. What, what what I'm saying is like so. Yeah, as far as like CPU overhead per IOPS, like that hasn't changed that much, like in years actually. Like it's gotten better. The the same it it gets better at the same rate that like the CPUs get better percentage wise. Yeah, generation to generation. That's what helps that. Hmm. Like what you can get out of that okay. particular metric, and that's only been like what like five ten percent per generation ish, right? Like from one generation to the next as far as, like, raw CPU performance, mm. like, efficiency and stuff like that. So that's, you know... <laughs> you keep doubling the SSD thing, you just run out of CPU. Alan, I'll just ask you later how to boot my entire system off of a RAM drive, and that's all I need. Okay. It involves Load it off of-, of a tape deck. Yes. Into RAM first. Yes. Lots of batteries. A tape. Lots of batteries. Uh, and one more thing that we're going to sneak in here, um, although it wasn't on the rundown, um, Scott just posted his quick, like, little post uh, that he got an Xbox One Elite wireless controller. I, I really want to try one of these out. This is the $150 um, kind of configurable Xbox One controller. You can see uh, that's got these new paddles down here. It's got a brand new D-pad. Um, the thumbsticks are now adjustable, not adjustable, but replaceable. Like They have different heights, lower and, and higher. Um, oh, this is the one that comes with the different It comes with those right? in like a case. Oops. And a different D-pad. Yeah, and a different D-pad option. It's like a full circle. Huh. Like with kind of faceted look to it. It's still spendy though. It's 150 bucks. It's super expensive. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I, it's cool. I really want one, but I'll wait. Like I just, yeah. I just started the download for Halo Five at home. It's kind of like <laughs> this. Not, it's not an accident that this controller launches like the same week that Halo Five comes right. out. Right. Right. Um, and I don't need it because I don't play enough console games for it to really matter. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's pretty it. cool, and I, it I is want cool. things. It just seems really expensive, even given how cool it looks. Uh, so far, I mean, he's just been playing around with it. He, you know, noted the D-pad felt a lot better than the Xbox uh, 360 gamepad. Uh, and I know that the thumb pad on the Xbox One is awful. 
or the the uh, what the not the thumb the D pad. It's Next a lot one. better than the 360. It is better, but it's still awful. It's like super clicky. And, I think that's only physical. your day one controller. I have two controllers that do that. I have oh, my day one and, a, and one I bought. Like I bought it day one. Yeah, I don't but it's think not mine does that. Controller. Maybe. And maybe it was the initial batches. Um, he does warn you that the firmware controller's firmware cannot be updated without an Xbox One console still today because they yeah. are still updating the Windows app. Yeah, huh, for that's it. a bit rough. Yeah, um, but it's pretty neat. And he will have a review for us in the near-term future. So let's get to our picks of the week and wrap this show up. My pick so far, uh, my pick today, rather, is <laughs> my experiences thus far with the uh, Logitech G933 Artemis Spectrum headset. This is the uh, second of the two new gaming headsets that Logitech launched yep. uh, with drastically improved drivers and sound quality. Um, new ID and design to everything, new microphone design, and they have a whole bunch of cool new features on this. We talked about the G633 previously. That's the wired version. This is the wireless Mm -hmm. version. Uh, And one of the things I like is, I don't have it in here, but you can actually take the sides of the ear cups off, and like this one houses, you can put the USB dongle in it. Right? So if For you travel. travel, you want to take it to your friend's house, you're going to a LAN party or whatever, you don't have to worry about losing it there or detaching it. And then on yeah, this side the is side? the battery. So it's a replaceable battery. Huh. So you can either charge it through USB or you can buy uh, well, like like a an standard extra battery. cell phone kind of battery. Uh, I mean, it's shaped that way, but uh, yeah. still has all the LED lights. So basically all the functionality that the 633 had, this has as well. Okay. Um, but this can actually accept four inputs in total. So you have the wireless. Because you have the wireless. Uh-huh. You have um, USB. Okay. You have... Uh, uh, two and a half or three and a half Three and a half millimeter input. Right. And then you can actually pass that through the... Like, what do they have? The RCA analog? Like, basically for, for consoles. Oh, yeah. They have, have a, the, they the have RCA, RCA pass-through device. Okay. Right? Uh, and so you can, you can get a ton of, of connectivity through this. I can imagine a scenario where I'd want to do that. Um, but it's there. You still got the. I, I really like how the uh, microphone now is complete. Like looks like if you That's don't want it to look it. there, it doesn't even look like it's part of it. You want to bring it out, you can do that. Yep. And, you and it's only active. It and bend it. It's only active when it's down. Correct. Yeah. It, it it deactivates as soon as you push it up. And there's actually a there's actually like a kind of notch like you can feel. Notch, yeah. So you don't have to put it all the way up to mute it. Right. You just put it a little way up, and now you can actually feel where that place is. Um, so far, pretty comfortable. A little bit tight on my head. I feel like there's something that will lessen as I as I wear them. The kind of the Break spring on it, yeah. Um, but like the cushioning is is good. The sound quality has been fantastic. The noise isolation is pretty good. When I wear them, I don't have to listen to Alan talk to me uh, from next to me on the on the thing. Uh, and so far, so good. They're they're fairly expensive. These are the wireless versions are 199, and the wired versions are 149. Um, but like I said, their their push is to make those audio file quality headphones that happen to be gaming headsets as well. Yeah, uh, and and they're much closer on that than anything I've heard from Logitech previously, or you know the Kingston headset, or anything else that we've had in recent past from uh, from a gaming headset point of view. I, I wish and they and it's for sale now. You can actually you can actually buy these now. I wish they had made the wire. It, they made both versions look identical. Right, like they're exact, yeah. uh, almost the exact same housing from the looks of it. Right? No, they are. Yes. Yeah, I almost wish that they had made the wired version like sleeker, like less taking up less space and looking less bulky. At least to give somebody the option of not having, 
you know, that well, much if, fault. if you're if you're of the mindset that you want people to like carry these headphones around and actually use them as like stereo headphones that they take with them on a plane or right. on a bus or on a trip or something, yeah, right. I, I mean, because these still very much have the look of a, a gaming, gaming headset. headset. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, and the LEDs don't turn on, you know, necessarily when you. Like I can turn this on now, and I don't. I don't think the LED, yeah, the LEDs yeah. will turn on here on the wireless one. But obviously, you can turn that off. If you right? turn this off and plug in a three and a half millimeter, it's still going to drive it. Yeah. Right. So um, we'll have more on these. I'll be kind of waiting for this version to come out instead of doing like a review of the six thirty three on itself and then doing this because yep. they're the same audio wise. Um, it's you just notice any, you notice any latency at all? No, what kind? I haven't. Right there, it's using RF. It's not using Bluetooth. Yeah, the Logitech specific, mm-hmm. you know, when you use their dongle, that always tends to be a very low latency. It's length. it's it's been good. It's been good so far. And I found this. I should have been my hardware software pick. Uh, I found this really awesome uh, app that I can't remember the name of cool. that allows you to switch your audio device on the fly, like while you're playing back audio. Like with the hockey? Uh, I don't know if it has hockey sport, but it's like in your taskbar. Oh, okay. You click it. And it'll bring up the four devices that I have attached, right? It's like speakers them. or headset. And it will switch it. Like while you're watching a video, while you're playing a game, it oh, does be, it in line. That'd be handy for me even. Yeah. Because yeah. I wanted to be able to, to use my headphones when I wanted to block you guys out and write and stuff. Um, but without having to go into this control panel and go yeah, to the sound. And and do I'll just remember what that's called and, and I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up next week. Uh, uh, who's next? Josh. Josh. Me. What do you got <clears> for me? Ooh. Yeah, this has been a terrible thing to me. It's called the World of Warships. <laughs> yeah, it looks really good. It plays fun. It's not. It's not exactly a Twitch game, but there's a lot of strategy, a lot of thinking, and it's free. I don't think it's Twitch. I think a warship. Is this so. is this from the World of Tanks guys? Yeah, World of okay. Games. Same guy, War Gaming. Okay, they're on and top of And it's a stuff. fantastic. Uh, I, is there a video here I can watch? Can about... you play a nuclear sub? <laughs> Yeah, Not quite play yet. Okay, because I'd be all over that crap. <laughs> so let's see what we got here. Look at that. USSR and German ships set sail. Oh, they got some older ships. So what do you control? Oh, okay. Is it is it an actual like uh, shooting game, or are you kind of like managing the battleships? No, it's a, it's a shooting game. You you drive your ship around. <laughs> you aim a- them through oh. multiple ways. You've got uh, depending on the ships. You got torpedoes. You got artillery. Yeah, if you're an aircraft carrier, obviously you've got. Attack aircraft, aircraft, fighters, torpedo bombers, whatever. And uh, you go on these large maps, and you try to sink the other ships. Can I just ram into other ships? Yes, you can, and you get rewards for doing all right, such All right, all right. Is it driving wheel compatible? That's awesome. No, it is not. It is on oh. keyboard. Oh. And is mouse. there a USB uh, boat wheel? USB boat no. wheel? <laughs> boat wheel? <laughs> I don't know what you call that. What do you no, call that? but you can hire the a rudder. cabin boy. Yeah. <laughs> call it the rudder. Ooh. So, Ryan, you've got one built in, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The I'm ready rudder. to go. I'm ready to go. Alan? Uh, Save us. So uh, this came up, I think, just on our little backroom combo a couple months back. But uh, with the Windows 10 stuff that I keep hearing about, like people not having their key or needing their old key or whatnot or the new version not letting you use the old key if you do a reinstall after you like right. your 7 or 8 key or whatever. So before you do any of that, you should use this thing and save your product key. And it's probably the simplest app that i found for that. It's just called Product Key. Like without the CT. Product Key. Produ- 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 
Frodukey. Again, that's actually that's that's, <laughs> that's probably what that's it probably is. how he wants it pronounced. Actually, uh, but it's like the simplest app, and it just like takes the key, extracts the keys from your system, and just presents them to you. And it's like here's your keys, like for Office or for Windows. And you know that way, if you have an OEM machine, you don't know what the key is. Your sticker's not on your laptop anymore. You know, get your key. Right. So so you have it, right? So you can have it. So you can have it. Uh, Save simple. that key, dog. That's it. And no uh, malware injections when you install this one? No, none of that. Real simple. That's, that's only if you visit PCPro.com. Yeah, that was a bad day. Oh. It was a bad day. Yeah, by the way, uh, we, that's uh, hopefully not going to come back for those that Hopefully that's a done thing now. Yeah. No, I was just referring to the fact that we led Ryan astray when we recommended a, a product key finder for him. And said, "Oh, get a uh, magic true. jelly bean." Yeah, that's uh, oh yeah. That's oh, what, that's what, that's what this was. Yeah. That's what this was stemmed from. It wasn't was malware. Like, it was adware. Oh, if you didn't uncheck right. in the his personal laptop, yeah. <laughs> like like Ryan needed a product key, and like the other people in the, in the, the chat was like, "Here, try this adware." I haven't checked Here, it. Do this. it now. What it saw, you know, it's fine. <laughs> and then when I saw that conversation later, I was like. No, 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 no. This one. <laughs> just this one. It doesn't do anything else. It just gets your key. Such is life. <sighs> Such is life. Uh, all right. Last. You. Go. Well, uh, we already talked about some headphones. Yep. I have a pair of speakers here all right. as my pick of the week. And they're not new, but I haven't talked about them before. I have a pair of these. They are the least Ooh, expensive yeah. audiophile quality bookshelf speakers you can buy. There's a reason that high-end magazines have actually taken them in and reviewed them. The guy who designed them, Andrew Jones, works for TAD, which makes reference quality like $80,000 speakers. And he used to work for Pioneer, right? He, he was hired. He was contracted by Pioneer to do this. He used to work at CAF. Oh, okay. But he took his, his whole thing is concentric drivers. So they're, on these little bookshelf speakers, you only have a four-inch driver, and then above that is a one-inch dome tweeter, but surrounding the dome tweeter, which you can't see in these pictures, is a four-inch waveguide. So the two speakers are essentially identically sized. Yeah. And the way that they're tuned, you cannot hear the difference between the uh, full-range driver and the tweeter. They have the best blending I've ever heard. And even though it's only a four-inch driver, this is a base reflex design. There's a rear port. And if you put them relatively close to the wall, like within about two feet of your wall, you can get massive bass out of these things. So they they are they sound far larger than they are, and they are just ridiculously good for the money. So if you have any kind of acceptable integrated amplifier or something to drive a pair yeah. of speakers with, these would make. A, I don't remember if they're uh, magnetically shielded or not. That shouldn't really matter anymore. They'd make a great set of like desktop monitors. Yeah, because hmm. most LCDs don't rely on yeah. electron beams. You know, I had the experience this week. We had new carpet installed in our downstairs, and I had to completely disassemble the entertainment center. Yep. Move it to that the basement. Must have been lots of fun. And then bring it all back up and reassemble it. Um, and well, I was I was smart enough eventually to get furniture movers, those pad, those things yeah. you put underneath for like the big uh, columns of the entertainment center, and just mm-hmm. kind of slide those to other rooms without having to take it downstairs. Uh, and one thing I did notice is, I have enormous speakers. Yeah, like my I have those uh, compensating. Yeah, apparently <laughs> I have those those floor standing speakers. Yep. Uh, I, I bought them. Gosh, a long time eight ago years from a guy ago. in a white van. 
It was like one of my buddies was working at Best Buy and he was going to quit in two weeks. He's like, I get 40% off of speakers and yep. stuff. It's like, I got to buy something. <laughs> so I bought, I think the highest end JBLs they had at the time. Um, they sound awesome, but they're really heavy. Like yeah. they're really heavy. And they have a warning on the back that's like, don't have your kid play around these speakers because this is going to fall over and crush them. Yeah. I was like, oh. Okay. So anyway. The, these Andrew Jones speakers have been on my list for a while. I bought bookshelves in a similar range a couple years ago, so I haven't been able to justify it, but yeah. I'm looking for an excuse. Well, now I, they're on $126. Them. Yeah. Once in a while, they'll go on sale. I bought my pair on sale at Best Buy for 99 Ooh, nice. Is there... Uh, I've been meaning to ask this. Is there a simple... No PC out amplifier to speakers like this solution. That's not as, a, as 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 instead of having just a receiver sitting somewhere around your the best your PC. one currently on the market would probably be from NAD. It's their digital thirty twenty. It's three hundred ninety nine bucks. Oh, the the PS Audio Sprout is probably the darling of all the magazines, and it's four hundred ninety nine dollars. But I don't like it because it has an undefeatable bass boost that the NAD this does one not. Here, the NAD thirty twenty. D thirty twenty. It's just a digital amp? Yep. It's a digital amp, extremely high efficiency, and even though it's only rated at 2 times 30 watts, NAD is famous for underrating their, their performance, oh, yeah. and it runs, yeah. regardless of the uh, impedance, Wait, it runs at 30 do, watts. that thing do A2DP? It says it has so. Bluetooth music streaming. APTX Bluetooth huh. music streaming. I've tested the Sprout. APTX I have not tested this one. A- iPhones don't support A2- APD- APTX. Oh, yeah, you know, I- thought that was a brand name not a standard and even like i think you need a special app even on android or something to push but this one does just you know usb and it also has analog uh input as well and it it's fantastic for a super small amp if you were just if you were spending the same money and you didn't have a space concern i'd absolutely go with a yamaha as 500 you can find them on ebay for around 300 bucks or uh, refurbished at accessories for less than 300 bucks so this is a digital amp that costs like four hundred ish. Yeah, it's That's class D, cool. but it's extremely you well audio people um, to, are push nuts. to push to push a hundred and twenty six dollars bookshelf speakers. Bookshelf speakers. <laughs> hey, hey Ryan, I, I drove those. Give a hundred twenty dollar Yamaha receiver Yamaha. that's large. Don't you guys just? Does everybody just use earbuds still? I just, I just, no. I just wish just there was a earpods. cheaper. Just, just buy a used vintage two. Stereo receiver you know, from the eighties. You know what I had for a while? And there you go. Because I had a set of like that's bookshelf. what I do. I had a set of bookshelf speakers as just desktop speakers for a while for a couple of years. Yeah. And I just had like an old car amp, <laughs> like like bridging <laughs> off of my off of the twelve volt line oh, of God. my PC. That sounds like off a of my power supply. I was powering a car amp, just to, and it worked great. But it was just like this cheesy car amp. But like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that this amp is awesome. I just wish that there was something just How about $99? What can we yeah, do like for $99? If you look on Amazon at the, the little desktop amps, you're going to see stuff from, like, uh, Fio or Fio. I don't know how it's pronounced. Yeah. Or you're going to get, like, um, just, like, no-name brands or Pile Audio. And they don't, they oh, don't sound good Yeah, that's all. the thing. You need eh? it to sound. Well, eh? what's, well, well, what's that? That's, eh? That looks yeah. like it's meant to be installed in the car. Eh? Audio yeah. input. That's all totally it looks like. There you go. Boom. Sun. Twenty six dollars. <laughs> Four. Hey, it'll stars. drive the speakers. You'll get sound. You will get sound. You probably will not get favorable sound. What? But what those speakers. Mean? The reason that I recommend them is because even though they're only one twenty nine, so you're thinking, oh, super budget amp. No, spend all your money on the amp and then get these speakers for now because there is output. nothing under four hundred dollars that sounds as good as these speakers. Yeah. The 
Cambridge Audio A26s for 400 sound better, and the Monitor Audio Bronze BX2s sound better for around 450. But you, but then it goes all the way down to this 129 point. There's nothing really in between that sounds as good as these. Yep. Sebastian, I'm going to send you these Logitech headphones. You just sound like the guy that should look at the audio side of it, if nothing else. It's true. You suck. He's got. He's going to send them back because I want them. He's got the golden. Oh, okay. He's got the golden ears. Yeah. Well, you don't need golden ears for those. You need better than headphones. ears than mine. Yeah. Or at least more distinguished. Yeah, I've got how distinguished okay are your ears, but... Sebastian? Anyway, that's the end of the show, guys. We're done. We're not going to talk about distinguished ears anymore. Uh, slash podcast Find all the back episodes. Subscribe to us there. Our podcast did get approved for the Google Play Music Store. Awesome. Yes. That doesn't launch, I think, until like November 1st or something like that. But if you want to start getting your podcast that way, our podcast will already be available there cool. uh, in audio form. Uh, so you'll be ready to go out of the gate. I'm so excited. Will it go all the way back to, what is it, episode 36 you can still find on the It'll be stream? the same RSS feed that has always been there. there. So it'll it'll do whatever. Uh, so it just that, that, that should be up and running uh, in the near-term future as well. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next time. Uh, it's almost – I saw a Christmas ad yesterday on TV, a Best Buy Christmas Already? time. Get your gifts ready. <sighs> Son of a – you know what that I, means? No. It's essentially CES. It's practically CES. Oh, man. Yeah, we got to start booking. Actually, it's probably late. Uh, that's it, guys. I'm going to go cry myself to sleep. We'll see you next time. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Malentano. I'm Sebastian Peake. Bye. Bye.